Hello, my name is David Lesner, and I'm one of the pastors at Creekwood United Methodist Church. We are located in Fairview, Texas, right east of Allen, just north of the Dallas area. The sermon you're about to hear was recorded at one of our worship services, which we'd love to invite you to check out live at 8.30 a.m. for traditional or 11 a.m. for contemporary on Sunday mornings on our Facebook page or the recorded version on YouTube. We'd love for you to check out our social media pages at Creekwood UMC or our website, creekwoodumc.org, for more information about what is happening and how you can grow with us in our mission to share God's love. If you feel inspired, there's also a way to give at the top of the website. Thanks for listening to this sermon, and we hope it inspires you in your journey with God. Then Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in the presence of all the assembly of Israel and spread out his hands to heaven. He said, O Lord, God of Israel, there is no God like you in heaven above or on earth beneath, keeping covenant and steadfast love for your servants who walk before you with all their heart. Likewise, when a foreigner who is not of your people Israel comes from a distant land because of your name, for they shall hear of your great name, your mighty hand and your outstretched arm. When a foreigner comes and prays toward this house, then hear in heaven your dwelling place, and do according to all that the foreigner calls to you, so that all the peoples of the earth may know your name and fear you, as do your people Israel, and so that they may know that your name has been invoked on this house that I have built. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Good morning. Good morning. Well, thank you all so much for being here. And let me just say, I'm kind of sad that David mentioned uh, a Foo Fighters song during the offertory prayer, and then the offertory, Mike dropped the ball. You need to listen to some more Foo Fighters. Someone get in the best, the best. That's a good song. Um, will you pray with me? Eternal God, may these words and the meditations and musings on all of our hearts, minds, and souls not only seek to glorify you, but seek to bridge your presence from what we do in worship into the world. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So when it comes to working as a group, I think we all can agree that in order to do so, you need a really awesome saying. So think about um, one of my favorites is teamwork makes the dream work. Another one from Helen Keller, this is a famous one, is alone we can do so little, together we can do so much. And then this last one, it's one of the wittiest I found. It was actually from a late Methodist minister who taught at Yale, preaching in uh, the early uh, 1900s to 1930s. And so he says this, uh, no one can whistle a symphony. It takes a whole orchestra to play it. And I think no matter what it is, whether in work, in sports, in our faith, that we are invited to really realize what it means to succeed as a group. And to do that, we need others to thrive. NBA coach Doc Rivers, he also knew this, that a group relying on one another in order to succeed couldn't do so individually but needed each other. Uh, Doc became the coach of the Boston Celtics in 2004, and this was years after the Celtics had any past glory. If y'all can remember back to the 
early 70s and 80s of uh, the glory days under Larry Bird, Danny Ainge, and Robert Parrish. So Doc's tenure at the Celtics has started pretty rough. In his first four seasons, he only made one playoff appearance, and that was in the first year, and they lost in the first round. However, that summer before the 2007-2008 Celtics, the team who really only had one standout player, Paul Pierce, they acquired the incredible talents of Ray Allen and Kevin Garnett. These were known as the big three. So while Pierce, Allen, and Garnett were all individual leaders, Doc recognized that he was still concerned about how the entire team would come together. He knew that in order to succeed, collectively, they had to sacrifice individually. That's when a fellow alumnus came to him from the University of Marquette, that's where he went uh, in his undergrad, and he said, and he told his friend um, to look up something, something he never heard of before. It was called Ubuntu. And Doc is like, what the heck is Ubuntu? And his friend told him, don't just quickly look it up. It's not a word. It's a way of being. It's not a word. So when Doc got home, he researched the meaning of Ubuntu, and when he did so, he realized that he had found something that could speak to the essence of what it meant to bring a group of people together for a common good. In Africa, the philosophy of Ubuntu, which has different spellings and can be pronounced in many ways, essentially speaks to the essence of what it means to be human. Ubuntu says, a solitary human is a contradiction in terms. I must learn from others to know how and what it means to be human. Or, as we read here, I am what I am because of who we all are. It is the essence of being human. You can exist as a human being, and you can't exist as a human being in isolation. It speaks about our interconnectedness. You can't be human all by yourself, and when you have this quality, Ubuntu, you are known for your generosity. We think of ourselves far too frequently as just individuals, separate from one another, whereas you are connected, and what you do affects the whole world. When you do well, it spreads out. It is for the whole of humanity. The better you are, the better I am. It was through the philosophy of Ubuntu that South Africa in the early 90s, under the leadership of Nelson Mandela and Desmond, uh, Archbishop Desmond Tutu, that apartheid was able to end. This dream to live collectively as free people in a nation was possible because of Ubuntu. It's the recognition that no matter what our differences are, that we need to depend on one another in order to fully thrive and understand what it means to be human. So, Doc Rivers, he, he, took, he asked each rookie in this 2008 Celtics um, class to research and then present the message of what Ubuntu was to the, before the entire team. And as a result, all the leaders, the senior players and the rest of them, they bought in. And they did so to the point that 
the team huddle where everyone gets in and puts their hand in was Ubuntu, one, two, three, Ubuntu. But more than just being a rallying cry, it was a way of life. It was an ethos. So whether it was someone bringing your burger onto the team bus and everyone would look and be like, where's mine? That's not very Ubuntu. Or whether it was after Kevin Garnett was being praised in a post-game interview by a journalist saying, that was an incredible defensive performance that you put on. He replied, not me, we. I was right where I was supposed to be because someone else was right where they were supposed to be. That's how we got to play. Into part of the season, Doc's father passed away, and he needed to go home to Chicago to be with the rest of his family. And this meant that he had to miss the next uh, Celtics game that was in Toronto. So Doc watched that game with the rest of his family, and during the halftime break, Kevin Garnett called him, and he said, when you're sad, I'm sad. The spirit of Ubuntu that night, it led them to this incredible victory where they won at the last second a, a buzzer beater in, in overtime. It was the three-pointer. And the Celtics, they celebrated in the middle of the court just like they won a championship. And they dedicated that game to Doc and the rest of his family. In every interview after the game, when they were asking, you know, what drove you? All the players answered the same thing, Ubuntu. That year, the Celtics would go on to win their first and only NBA title since 1986. And beyond just winning a title that year, the Celtics became something more than just a basketball team. That same kind of emphasis of Ubuntu, I think it shows up in our scripture today in a similar way. So, in, our, in 1 Kings 8, we hear a prayer from King Solomon. It's this prayer of dedicating the temple before God and the nation of Israel. Solomon is the son of King David, his successor. So early on, you know, Saul, Saul, Solomon, he humbly approaches what it meant to be king by placing his identity and his focus on the covenant that is made between God and the people. It is in seeking wisdom that Solomon is able to fulfill his father's dream, David, of, of completing this temple, a, a place where heaven and earth meet, a dwelling on, on earth for God's presence to be among the people. Sadly, no sooner than he finishes the temple, Solomon begins to make a lot of mistakes, so much so that eventually, and Carrie Lynch showed this in past sermons, the kingdom is split into two. What's, what happened to Solomon is that he lost sight of remaining faithful to the covenant, to God, of being faithful to what was right there in front of him. And instead, he turned his attention to self-interest, to succeeding at any cost, to be rich and powerful, no matter what the human toll was. At this point, though, in our prayer, in, King, in 1 Kings 8, we find Solomon at his best because his focus is on staying faithful to God by serving and loving others. 
And this is echoed in the prayer that, that we heard from Donna in verses 23 to 20, 22 to 23. Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord, spread out his hands to the heaven, and said, O Lord God of Israel, there is no God like you in heaven above or on earth beneath, keeping covenant and steadfast love for your servants who walk before you with all their heart. I think there are a few things to take away from these verses. First, Solomon isn't just praying with his words, but he's using his whole body. He's positioning himself, his whole self towards God. The other key here is this phrase. Keeping covenant and steadfast love. Keeping covenant and steadfast love. This is just like Ubuntu. These aren't just words, but they represent a way of life that sheds light on who God is and in turn who we are called to be. So the translation of the word covenant in verse 23, in Hebrew it's berit, and this means to pledge, to hold agreement between one another. The term covenant here is really pointing to the, the guidelines, the law, the Torah that is outlined uh, for the people of Israel to stay faithful to God. And yet this doesn't exist by itself. God doesn't just keep covenant or berit with the people, but he also asks them to stay faithful through keeping steadfast love or what's called chesed. Now, in order to say chesed, you have to go like in the back and you go like chesed. So just remember that. So chesed is not easily translated into English. Yes, it can mean steadfast love or goodness or kindness, but to the Israelites who were in covenant with God, to offer chesed was to extend extraordinary acts of exceeding kindness. As Manmades, a medieval Jewish scholar, wrote, he said this about uh, chesed. Chesed is, a, is practiced in two ways. First, we show kindness to those who have no claim whatsoever on us. Secondly, we are kind to those to whom it is due, but we show kindness in a greater measure than it is due to them. The very act of creation is an act of loving kindness. The universe is built in loving kindness. So in the text of 1 Kings 8, I think this is really important. This may not be a familiar um, text in, in some of the stories that we have heard, but I think in a way it's a classic. It's a classic because it really does point to what is at the core of God. And also, I think on the other hand, it points to Solomon at his best. Showing, because Solomon is at his best when he shows the people who God is and who we are. That being in relationship, being in covenant with each other, we find ourselves in a unique and sacred place, a place where we can depend on the goodness of others and thrive as a collective. When we find ourselves in the spirit, spirit of chesed, of extending extraordinary kindness, we connect to the very heart of God. We see the beauty and worth 
in everyone, not just the differences or divisions we hold. The late uh, English rabbi, Jonathan Sachs, um, who passed away in the last few years, he considered the importance of chesed to be integral to understanding life. This is what he said. Chesed is unconditional grace. In chesed, God created the universe. In chesed, we create moments of moral beauty that bring joy and hope where there was darkness and despair. If we seek to only achieve success individually at the cost of the benefit of others, then we will lose the chance to experience something incredibly beautiful. These moments of grace and exceeding kindness that we find in our relationships because that's who God is, as a God of relationship. God is not just a God of rules, a kind of reciprocal justice where I do something or you do something for me and then I'll do something for you. Us humans, we often get in the way of rules, often defining them and overstretching them to benefit the few at the cost of hurting many. Don't get me wrong, we need rules. And we need accountability, but if it's without striving to mirror that loving kindness that God extends to us, this kessid, then we will lack a significant piece of what it means to be faithful to God. Being faithful to God is not just a set of to-dos. It's not just a word. It's not a phrase. Being faithful to God asks that the goodness that we were created from that we look for that in each person we encounter. Faithfulness to God involves sharing that extraordinary grace through acts of kindness with others. Because it's there that God is present. That God is present and alive. I am who I am because of who you are. God is or excuse me, we are who we are because of who God is. May we strive to find extraordinary goodness in each person we meet. Will you pray with me? Eternal God, may this time of us being together serve to glorify you and in us going out into the world that we may find moments of chesed, of Ubuntu, of living into the goodness that you created us in. May we find exceeding and extraordinary ways to connect to the heart that you have, that we see in others. Help us, guide us, keep us safe. We pray this all in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening. We would love if you could leave us a review on whatever platform you are listening today and let us know how we are doing. Be sure to check out our social media pages at CreekwoodUMC and our website, creekwoodumc.org, for more ways to get involved at Creekwood United Methodist Church in person, online, or both. Thanks again for listening and have a great week.